was down for the count, but I'm back for one more up at bat. My name is Alex. And on the side, you got JT Sizzle pulled out of the grave and back in action one last time. Hey, I'm Pete. And you are listening to Cloak and Jabber, a Cloak and Dagger podcast. We are doing one extra episode here at the end of the season for a couple of reasons that we'll get to in a moment. But first of all, thank you guys so much who listened to us throughout the first season of Cloak and Dagger. It was a great season. A lot of fights. A lot of love went on. Very exciting. Between us? Uh, maybe fights between us, I think, is fair. Uh, that's what I remember. Yes. Uh, but if you if this is your first episode, for whatever reason, that you're listening to the podcast, please go back to the beginning. Um, there's a slow, beautiful character arc that Pete goes through where he starts off really hating the show, and then he comes to begrudgingly respect it, and then he hates it again. And then I think, ultimately, you ended up halfway between? I, uh, I'm, I'm excited to hopefully like... Of Blondie in the next season. It's a real will they, won't they? <laughs> it's a real. It's like a. She's a, a horrible person with the opportunity to be a great person, and I'm hoping that happens so I can start liking the show. Yeah, you should check out a thing called character arcs on television, Pete. Oh uh, man, no if thanks. that was just a great wiki, we could send Pete. <laughs> uh, we do have a couple of things to do, so we're going to do some season two predictions. But first, we do need to wrap it up with my favorite section of the show. We had a New Orleans correspondent. Brett Macris. You can check him out on Twitter at Brett Macris uh, with one T in Brett. And he sent us some notes from New Orleans about the final episode of the show. So these are notes for episode 10. Uh, He says, yes, one of the early scenes of the show is Ty looking for his cloak in what appears to be a scene right out of daily life. For months leading up to Mardi Gras, tribes get together, which is what Ty's father is doing with the other men from the Seventh Ward. They plan, design, and sew their elaborate costumes and headdresses Every year is a different theme, style, and color. The costumes shown are very indicative of what they look like. Traditional Native American influences, but like they got sent out to a rave. A lot of pride and work goes into them and often get donated to charities and museums once Mardi Gras is over. What a lot of people don't know about Mardi Gras in New Orleans is that it is not just one day, it's a season. That season starts off after Twelfth Night, the twelfth day of Christmas, and ends on Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras Day, the day before Ash Wednesday. Depending on when those things fall on the calendar, Mardi Gras can last three weeks or a month and a half. This is important to understand when we see Ty walking down the street amongst the parade. This is probably one of the many parades that go on during Mardi Gras season. As it gets closer to Fat Tuesday, it's possible to see multiple parades almost every day. What a paradise. Yeah. Oh, we got to get down there. You know what? We should tape the second season of our podcast in New Orleans. I love it. And send I love Brett New to New York for no reason. Yeah, he should be up here covering our families. <laughs> <laughs> he can send us notes about our lives. Uh, that would be nice. Hey, Justin, they fired you today <laughs> you for not there. coming to work. And we can be like, I'm drunk. <laughs> Brett continues. I'm in a parade right now. <laughs> <laughs> Brett continues, each float is designed by a crew spelled K-R-E-W-E. That crew is responsible for designing the float costumes, picking beads or trinkets to throw the crowds, and keeping in line with the parade's theme for that year. Each parade has a crazy name, which means nothing to anyone outside of New Orleans, such as Bacchus, Crew de Vieux, St. Anne Zulu, and one of my favorite parades, you're going to like this one, Pete, Chewbacca's, 
which is a uh, sci-fi nerd parade where you can see a whole crew of pink stormtroopers marching and dancing in line to YMCA and mashup themes like Jedi Potter Pirate Cruise. Pete is dancing right now. Are you doing the YMCA? Is that what's going on? I'm just, in my mind, I'm mentally being a uh, Chewbacca uh, marching in the, in the parade. Great. Well said. All right. Uh, <laughs> the scene where Ty gets arrested might be Mardi Gras day, but it just isn't insane enough. And there aren't enough people dressing in crazy costumes. So this is something we kind of talked about. On we the did. I actually appreciate that fact a lot yeah. because now it makes sense. Yes. Uh, people don't just wear the purple, green, and yellow shirts. They go full out, full costume regalia, and almost everyone is drinking or on drugs or both. Last year, I was on both, says Brett. Yeah, yeah Brett. Dude. Get it. Uh, well, I think that's the end of our long sting on Brett. We're cops, yeah. and we're coming to a rescue. You admitted exactly. to using drugs. Exactly. We're crooked New Orleans cops. <laughs> so we're going to come Wait, and no, That's you. straight edge New Orleans cops who are arresting people for using drugs, right? Straight edge? Yeah. Yeah, that's I don't know. cool. Anyway, last year, uh, Mardi Gras was also his birthday, he says, and things got hazy. Uh, the voodoo ads telling of New Orleans disaster is impressive. This city has come back from the brink more times than most. Yep. Here are a quote. If you were 504, you would know that. Ty's line speaks to the area code. People use it as their point of pride. Local businesses work it into their logos. And the float warehouse, where a good bulk of the action happens around as Tandy and Mina try to stop the terrors, uh, but eventually Mina gets turned into a terror herself, uh, he says, is awesome. I've never been inside one, but you can see them from the freeway. Before and after parades, you'll see the floats lined up outside. CBD equals central business district, a.k.a. Emeralds. Interesting. Uh, Where the crazy gas line runs through. It was an interesting choice to put TNT on top of the Superdome at the end, which we also talked about the choice there. If you recall, after Katrina... I think we do. Uh, New Orleans <laughs> used the Superdome to house the thousands of people who were displaced with no other place to go, kind of like Ty and Tandy, although the dome ended up being a pretty awful place to be for most of the people who had to call it home for that time. He says, wow, what a great season, and thanks for letting me contribute my small part of your show. It's great. And hey, Aww. Brett, thank you for contributing. Thank you. This is such a nice way to add great context to our discussion and somewhat uh, argumentative conversation about Cloak and Dagger. Yes. Uh, what the really, fuck do you mean argumentative? Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, really, Brett, uh, it has been great hearing your facts about it, and I hope you guys tune in next season. Hopefully it'll still be said in New Orleans, so we'll get some facts there. Uh, let's talk about season two, since we do have a bunch of hits about what may or may not be going on there. Uh, the biggest thing that we know is that teaser at the end, Detective Bridget O'Reilly, not dead, coming back, there's been teasers that say next season is going to be mayhem. And as we know from the comics, that is her vigilante name. What do you think is going to happen with her and with C and D? Uh, she strikes me as a, perhaps a villain, a villain that they can maybe turn into a uh, sort of, uh, sometimes good, sometimes bad. Oh, character. so starts off like classic at first they fight, but then they become friends. Uh, to me, it strikes me as uh, almost like an Incredible Hulk situation where mm-hmm. uh, she's not going to really be in control. She's fueled oh, okay. by revenge. Um, but the person she needs to get revenge on has been taken by uh, Ty into his dark force. So who is it she aim her anger at? I'm really hoping we get a uh, Misty Knight kind of a uh, couple episodes in this next season. Yeah, I mean, that would be great. Uh, as was teased both on Luke Cage and on Cloak and Dagger, they used to work together back when Detective O'Reilly was in Harlem. They took a cute picture together at San Diego Comic-Con. So potentially that's coming somewhere down the road. Also, people really want, well, 
Hold on, we'll get to that bit in a second. Uh, but I do want to talk about what you were saying about the vigilante thing. I think what, here's my guess about what we're going to see in season two, is that Cloak and Dagger are finally at the point where they can touch, they have their powers, they're mostly in control of their powers. So, But are they heroes? What do they do? Are they vigilantes themselves? And I think we're going to see an arc where we're confronted by mayhem being a vigilante who potentially takes it too far in a, excuse me for saying this, Pete, Punisher-style fashion, and Fuck will you. they go as far as her, or will they pull back on it a little bit? That would be my guess. Uh, that's interesting. Um, it feels like that speaks perhaps more to Tandy, uh, yeah. maybe more uh, prone to having a temper, so she might be more pro-mayhem's take on it, while uh, Ty is sort of a little more restrained. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, the other crossover that I was talking about, there's no news on this, but fans really want this to happen. Uh, after the finale of Cloak & Dagger, they had the premiere of Runaways from Hulu played on the same channel. They're both young casts. Do we think they could actually or will actually cross over in season two? I think that would be awesome. Just a one episode uh, total, or two, one from each show, I guess, uh, team-up episode. Super fun. Who would you want to see come over? Come over and join. Yeah, let's say one of one of the runaways comes over and hangs out with Cloak and Dagger. Who would it be? Oh, interesting. Um, uh, old Lace, I guess, would be. Sure, the... yeah. Just dinosaur travels <laughs> cross country one, for no reason. One, stops off at New Orleans. One loose dinosaur. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Pete, who would you want to see come over? Uh, old Joey Donuts. <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> Not a fan of the Runaways. Perhaps. All right, I'm gonna say Nico would be great. I think uh, Nico's just a great she got choice. The magic thing. She would mix well, maybe with Emoji Girl and Auntie. That would be kind of interesting to see. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think that would be a lot. Uh, of fun. Really, you, I want to see the whole team. I want to see them yeah. just end up in New Orleans for an episode, and they have to all hang. Like that makes total sense. No, I want to throw out something to you guys. My concern about the second season: the first season was so focused, particularly on the dual paths of. Tandy and Ty. Cloak or dagger. Cloak or dagger. Uh, but as they got together, but also on their particular villains, on Connors and on Scarborough. Both of them are still technically around in a certain sense. Connors is now inside of the Dark Force. Scarborough is just in a comatose state. So they could come back. But have they essentially finished up the story of Tandy and Ty going into the second season? No. Uh, I think they've uh, they've put Tandy and Ty separately. Uh, they've sort of repaired the damage uh, that has been done to their lives because that started with the Roxxon event um, and that whole storyline. Uh, and I think the. Like I say all the time, cloak or dagger. They've they've repaired. They've done their separate stories. The second season is about their relationship. Yeah, uh, exactly. because I think they have they do have like a potential. They have a lot of chemistry. Are do they have a? Uh, are they more than friends or not? Is that problem? Will that be a problem with them because of the way that they are, the way they treat the people in their lives that they care about? There's a lot of question marks there. I think they are going to get together, or at you, least you hook. think romantically, though. Right? I think romantically, they're going to something's going to happen in this second season, and that'll be part of the story arc. In the comics, so much of their relationship is about their romantic relationship. Well, I think the first thing they have to address is the fact that Ty isn't as good with his powers yet. They need to work on that a little bit. They also got to work on Tandy being a better person, and they also still got this huge rocks on problem. That they have to deal with. So I'm hoping that's where the second season is going to go. I mean, you're right about that. That We found out what the energy that Roxxon was drilling for, uh, what it did, but we didn't find out where it came from or yeah. what it was about or anything like that. 
I don't know if they're going to tie and this. Who keeps this turning it on? Uh, I know you didn't watch. Who keeps turning it on? It just keeps exploding. Because right, but so I mean, somebody keeps saying we got to keep going after this. Oh, turning on the project. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Uh, I know you didn't watch Runaways, but one of the big things of the first season of Runaways was that they had a project to drill underground looking for a secret source of energy that turned out to be these gods called the Gibberim. Uh, but we didn't find out much about that as well. That might be a window to bring the two teams together mm. for some sort of crossover. Uh, I do wonder if they're bringing that spelunking. together. Ooh. They can't bring them too close together. It's not like sure. we don't want these t- series to become one show. That's true. Yeah. Uh, well, in Defenders also, they were drilling a hole in the ground to look for a source of energy, uh, which turned out to be a way into Kunlun, uh, which uh, points to maybe shoddy storytelling. I'm just going to throw it out there. Here's wow. the thing. But when you're a writer, you're like, where can I ha- stuff be hidden? Underground. Yeah. Space. Yeah. Where Somebody else? in the writing room was like, we got a real plot hole here. And they're like, Hole. hole. Big hole. Dig a hole. <laughs> <laughs> Dig a plot hole. And they were like, let's add more plot holes. And they did. <laughs> the source uh, of that boy. energy is confusion. All right. Anything else you're looking forward to in season two, either of you? I'm hoping for better people, less asshole moments. I'm really hoping I don't have to get angry at this show. I also hope they pay more attention to detail. Uh, I think sometimes what? the show was sloppy. No. That is not. Name one thing. Oh, fuck you, man. Uh, that whole basketball thing was bullshit. If you're going to have an actor <laughs> who's supposed to be a good basketball player, you can't have some shitty guy making it look like he's never even seen a basketball in his you're life. You're like one of those people online that does those movie goofs things, which is like, I don't know. That actor was right-handed in one scene, and then he was holding that pencil in his left hand. This movie is garbage. I feel like that's the smallest no, you, thing to focus on. If you say somebody is an athlete, you got to at least make it appear like they're an athlete. He's a high school athlete. Yeah. And he's not like, the whole story isn't like, man, he's the best at basketball. He kept saying how good he was at basketball. But it turns out he's not. He's not good. Remember the episode? He He got all messed up and then he never played again. Tandy keeps talking about how good she is at thievery, but she's pretty bad at that too. Yeah. I think this show is really great. It's my favorite Marvel show that's, that's a on the air right statement. now. That's a ridiculous it's, statement. It's aggressive with its storytelling. It takes a lot of risks. I think these characters and the actors that How play them are great. How can you even compare it to like the first season of Jessica Jones? Uh, Jessica Jones is a great show with great actors, but it's so it's not risky with its storytelling in the same way, and it stretches out so long. You're this ridiculous. show was highly efficient, concise, and told uh, us. I uh, will say, I think it was helped a lot by ten episodes and actually having a broadcast length where it was restricted to about forty-two minutes per Definitely. episode. Um, a lot of the Marvel Netflix stuff would be a lot better if it was a l- quite a bit shorter. You're literally Editing. saying you want less of the thing that you enjoy. No, I want to be more focused. And I agree with Justin that I think one of the things that was really good that I'm nervous about them losing in the second season is the amount of focus they had for each episode. Yeah, Pete, if particularly we, on the basketball stuff, which was so good and so uh, accurate. If, <laughs> <laughs> Pete, if we if we podcasted 24 hours a day which we almost do, uh, <laughs> it wouldn't be as good as us doing it for what we do now. Yeah, could you imagine if we spent like five to six hours over the course <laughs> of one evening doing nothing but recording different podcasts? That would be terrible. We yeah. would be psychopaths if we did that. <laughs> <laughs> what do we have left to talk about? 
out. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening to our Cloak and Dagger podcast. We're very excited to talk to you more about it next year when Cloak and Dagger returns to free form, presumably some point in the spring, but we'll see what happens. Uh, if you'd like to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. We do a bunch of other podcasts that you can check out as well. Pete, what do you want to plug? Friend us at Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live. Check us out at ComicBookClubLive.com for the podcast and more. And we'll see you next summer. In the meantime, jabber on.